Yeah, there's three short readings today, and the first is from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. <clears throat> then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And finally, we've got Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, Father, thank you. Um, thank you that you uh, don't just leave us as we are, but you um, are shaping us, you're forming us. Um, and we, we come to your word wanting to be formed, Lord. We know that we are formed by the world around us, by all sorts of things, by our relationships, by um, all sorts of things. Um, but Lord, we want to be formed first and foremost by you. And so we humbly come to your word and we ask that you would teach us. Um, yeah, not just through my words, but Lord, through your spirit speaking um, and in, in imparting truth deep in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen some slides hopefully there we go um last sunday um we kicked off a, a series looking at the mission of the church and we saw um how uh, mission comes from latin word that translates as to be sent um, and how jesus defined his mission in terms of being sent by his heavenly father and then in turn sending his disciples out to do what he did so we talk about mission 
That's what we're talking about. And we looked um, at the why of mission, you know, about why uh, we should do mission. And we talked about why a church that is engaged in mission will be a joyful church um, and how joy is the fruit of mission for disciples of Jesus, even when it's difficult and it's uncomfortable, which for, for most of us it often is. Um, telling uh, people about Jesus, uh, sharing our own testimonies, offering to pray for people, inviting them to church or to Alpha. These things do not always come easy, particularly in our current cultural context, which is suspicious of mission. Um, but they are the key to joy in the Christian life, says Jesus. Um, and at the end, I mentioned um, kind of two frameworks which will help uh, inform the mission of all souls at this time. Firstly, we've got the London Diocesan Capital Vision 2030. You may or may not realize that as a, a, a part of the Church of England, um, we are not a, a church in isolation, but we are part of, um, I think it's around 300 parishes in the northern side of London, the, the Diocese of London. And we um, uh, work together in, in a sense in that. Um, and the London Diocesan Capital Vision 2030 is for every Londoner to experience the love of God in Christ Jesus. And um, that's what we're all working together to achieve. And that vision breaks down to three ambitions, as, as they put them. Um, confident disciples, compassionate communities, and creative growth. And this is a diagram of how those three ambitions are kind of understood to interact. So confident disciples express their love of God and neighbour. And by doing that, they create compassionate communities which proclaim the gospel in word and action, leading people to Jesus. That's the creative growth. Um, inevitably, perhaps uh, with our own vision focused uh, first and foremost on discipleship, um, you know, for more of that, go and listen to our teaching series in September. Um, I, I, I say that compassionate communities and creative growth both stem from confident disciples. But in truth, they all feed off each other in one way or another. Um, three priorities then are expressed next in this diocesan vision, growing younger, becoming a safer church and getting back to the roots of the church as a, a multinational, multi-ethnic body distinctive by its people of every tribe, tongue and race in a diverse community of loving relationship. Um, and these aren't just, um, you know, current buzzwords or trends. What I like about this diocesan vision, what makes me sort of feel like I can really buy into it is that these are all kingdom principles. They are all biblical. Um, they all express the character of God revealed to us in the person of Jesus. And the idea of this diocesan vision is not to impose on parishes from on high, but to quote Bishop Graham, who launched this vision, it's about creating a framework within which local parishes, clergy, and PCCs can think creatively about how to exercise that mission in their particular local context. And so each parish then has been encouraged to identify mission priorities within that vision framework. And so the PCC, um, uh, the elected part of the leadership of all souls, um, spent a Saturday back in June uh, last year, this year, sorry, this year, um, praying, discussing and discerning what those priorities should be for us, uh, for all souls in this season. We ended up with three priorities um, within that, three priorities to work uh, towards over the next three years. Here they are. Um, so the first one was about welcoming and connecting, and that relates to the kind of the creative growth ambition, if you like. Um, so by 2026, this is a kind of a three-year thing. We are, um, the, 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 um, the goal is that we are an attractive hub where people connect with God and each other. God is at work 
evidenced in our gathered worship, our deepening relationships, our spiritual and numerical growth, and our outreach to people outside of the church. All Souls is known in our local communities as a place of connection and engagement where all are welcome, needs are met, and Jesus is near. So that's the first one. Second one is children and young people. Uh, So again, by 2026, we have a thriving, vibrant, safe, coordinated, well-resourced ministry with children and young people that brings them to a living faith in Jesus. We are a church where children and young people are taught not to be passengers, but actively contribute in ministry and mission, preparing them for a lifetime of, of apprenticeship to Jesus. They feel able to invite their friends to church. And so that sort of relates to the the confident disciples goal, if you see what I mean. Our goal is to make confident disciples as well. And then third, um, Ivy Bridge, this sort of ties into the compassionate communities bit. Uh, By 2026, there is a worshipping community that meets on the Ivy Bridge estate that is serving the needs of the local community. Through our ministry with Ivy Bridge, we better understand the heart of Jesus, making us a more diverse, connected and faithful church. We are hearing stories of God at work in the lives of people in the community. So our mission is um, embedded not just in our own vision of what it means to be disciples of Jesus, aka Christians, aka the church, but as part of this wider mission of churches across London, each seeking to discern what is called for in their local context. So we'll be breaking this down over the rest of October and November, uh, building to a visit from our very own Archdeacon Richard Frank, who will complete the series for us um, from the um, Bishop's senior staff perspective. And uh, we'll be starting to think about how we go about working towards fulfilling this mission over the next three years. That's something that is sort of currently on the agenda of the PCC, aiming sort of trying to break that down and what it's going to take to get to those three sort of realities, as it were. So the topic for today um, is is confident disciples. And in terms of our three mission priorities, this speaks into all three of them. Welcoming and connecting people, nurturing uh, children and young people in the faith, ministry with Ivy Bridge. They are all expressions of discipleship or creating new disciples. Um, Jesus didn't leave an ideology for the world. He left a community, a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. He left the church. And our witness is primarily through our relationship with Jesus and with one another and the fruit that comes from that. Um, Remember the the vine and the branches from John 15 and our banner on the right here, uh, which depicts that. And I want to look at our three passages just uh, very briefly, which relate to this um, act, this uh, act, this ancient practice of baptism and what it means and the role it plays in the life of a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, Because the Bible is clear that the outward mark or ritual identifying a disciple is to be baptized. In the Church of England, communion is defined as the meal of the baptized. So the theme of baptism is uh, perfect, really, for this theme of confident disciples as we look at it this morning. So here are three times that baptism is mentioned in the Bible. It's not the only three times, but three we'll look at this morning. First, um, Matthew 28. This is the end of Matthew's gospel. Um, Next year, we're going to preach our way through the whole of Matthew's gospel, actually. Um, But this is the end. Um, Spoilers. Um, And Jesus is final. He rises. (laughs) Um, Jesus' final words to his disciples after his resurrection before he leaves them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them, there it is, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So here it is in uh, black and white. Jesus is sign off, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, repeat. And um, we don't actually know that much about the origins of the practice of baptism, this sort of dipping in water. It's not mentioned in the Old Testament, um, although the imagery is there of um, kind of famous watery episodes and God saving his people through the waters. Think um, the Great Flood, think the Exodus, think crossing the Red Sea, uh, then the Jordan River into the land, think Jonah. They're all stories about God and his people and water, which are about rescue and salvation. John the Baptist, appropriately, Jesus's cousin, is the first person we find actually baptizing people. In fact, he baptizes Jesus at Jesus's insistence. And he is, his baptism, John's baptism, is described as a baptism of repentance, of turning from sin. The word baptism means literally just to dip. It's like what you'd say if you were brewing a cup of tea. You dip the tea bag in the water. It's the, the going into the water and the coming out of it. Um, and after John, it's less to do with kind of cleansing and more to do with that theme of rescue. So for those being baptized today, um, for um, Masood and Mark and Sarita and uh, Sienna, um, and indeed for anyone who's been baptized or is considering it in the future, baptism is about salvation. It's about um, acting out this act of rescue. It's about God uh, bringing his people through the waters, which in the Bible often represent kind of chaos and threat and danger. That's the image uh, we get in Genesis 1, God creating and bringing life out of the chaotic waters, which is a pretty good matchup for our best scientific understanding of human origins, actually. And in terms of uh, being confident disciples, our confidence comes from God's rescue of us, his salvation. It's not something we can do ourselves. He had to do it for us. So when Masood and um, Mark and Sarita and Sienna are baptized today, they will go into the water and then they will be lifted out of the water by others. And uh, then, then that is an image which Paul kind of develops really in our second reading from Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So the waters in baptism don't just represent something to be saved from, they represent uh, death, the grave, burial. By going into the waters, Paul says, we are being buried with Christ Jesus and then raised into new life. His death becomes our death and his resurrection becomes our resurrection. So in terms of being confident disciples, our confidence is in the fact that because Jesus was raised, so will we be. And then third, our reading from Galatians, we see that baptism is about becoming part of a new family. Disciples are never disciples in isolation. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 
The image I have in mind uh, is one of those kind of cheesy Christmas cards where the whole family are wearing matching onesies. Have you seen one of those? Have you ever done one of those? You know what? I I quite like the idea of doing that, I know. But... Um, Or when we've gone to like a Luton game and uh, we scour the house. When we're going out as a family, we scour the house for anything that we can find that is orange. Um, And we kind of distribute it fairly amongst the people, the members of the party. Um, But we are a family that is clothed not in orange, not in matching onesies, but in Christ. And we talked about, um, you know, uh, racial diversity as part of the uh, capital vision. And what we see here that... Um, That isn't just the church jumping on some sort of bandwagon. This is fundamental to who we are. Paul wrote uh, Galatians to a church that was struggling to work out how God's people, for the most part in the Old Testament, people of, of a single nation, were now, through Jesus, fulfilling the calling of that one nation to be a light to all nations, bearers of hope and salvation through Jesus. And they were grappling and struggling with which customs and practices this new multi-ethnic people were to adopt. And Paul was saying here, the key unifying practice is baptism. And within that um, baptism, within that family, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, um, you know, the racial divides, neither slave nor free, the kind of social divides. There is neither male or female, the gender divides, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That was a revolutionary idea in the ancient world 2,000 years ago. Uh, the subdivision's gone, one people of equal value to God and to one another. That's the witness. If you belong to Christ, Paul said, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. I love that in this pool in a moment, we're going to have people, uh, by my count, born in, I think, four different countries. Is that right? America, Iran, India, and the UK, spread over three continents, North America, Europe, and Asia. We are all one in Christ, heirs of the promise, clothed in Jesus. Disciples can be confident because though we may be a fringe minority in this country, just as those first disciples were back in the book of Acts, We're part of this um, great big family with brothers and sisters across the world and from across the world together in this place today. I love that by being a multi-ethnic church today, we represent a more complete picture of heaven and the new creation where people of every language and tribe will come together as the bride of Christ, singing one song of praise and worship to him as we will again later on in this service. So, three things there about being confident disciples that we learn through baptism. So in baptism, we are confident of God's rescue of us. We are confident of uh, sharing Jesus's resurrection and eternal life. And we're confident because we're part of this big family of God, of disciples of Jesus everywhere we go. So uh, what should we do? Um, There's always an excellent question to reflect on at the end of any sermon or teaching. Um, or anything really interesting ideas always need to move beyond ideas into action well in a moment we're going to hear a little of each of the stories of those who are going to be baptized today what they have in common is that they are all responding to the call of Jesus to be baptized it's this active response to the love of Jesus and his call on our lives